Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast with myself, Ross the Boss Casey. I'm on duty for presenting this week with Conman, with JCH and Dom all busy with World Cup action and work. We've got ourselves the return of Josh the Fox Heady. <laughs> I don't know if it was it actually officially decided what my Wrestling Should Be Fun moniker was in the end. Not officially, but as the boss, I'm going to christen you it. <laughs> right, I'll go with that then. <laughs> How you doing, mate? I'm all right, mate. I'm uh, in a bit of a wrestling World Cup sandwich at the moment with big pay-per-views either side of the uh, first week of the World Cup. So, yeah, it's pretty good at the minute. Yeah, and you've got the World Cup final to watch. Um, no, World Cup semi-final to watch on a SmackDown as well. Oh, excellent. Yes. The most <laughs> important semi-final of them all. <laughs> Where it's America versus America, because America. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> so for this episode, uh, we've got something slightly different to start. Rather than the call-up sheet, we've got the call-up tweet. Last night on Twitter, I asked a question pretty late at night whilst I was live tweeting Raw. Uh, me and uh, Editor Phil, shout out to Editor Phil, always has a great job. You're goddamn right. He came up with with this question, and I thought this was a really fun question to ask Twitter, so we did just that. Book a modern day wrestler into an old wrestling gimmick. Best ones will be read out on the podcast, and we got lots and lots of replies, so let's trickle through some whilst you have a little think of, of ones for yourself, Josh. Hmm. Let's start with the definition he says, styling, profiling, limiting riding, woo, jet flying, woo, kiss stealing, wheeling, wheeling, son of a gun, the nature boy, woo Eli Drake. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I, I was not expecting that. So Eli Drake in the character of 1980s Ric Flair. I think that, that, that would work. Okay, right. Okay. That makes more sense to me. <laughs> I think that he would relish that role of um, being someone who uh, has more money and more prestige and more gold than anyone else. I think he would be amazing, and the promos would be great as well, I'm sure. We've got, <laughs> from Luke Morris, Otis wandering around in a towel and baby oil as Brow Venus. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Editor Phil came up with about 25 of these. I am thankful for being the world's smartest man. Let's pick out some of his best ones. We've got the Bushwhackers as played by the Good Brothers. I think that would be fantastic. <laughs> that would be brilliant. <laughs> of course Big Gallows has a part experience as well of that in his uh, previous gimmick in WWE <laughs> yeah for sure we've got the natural Butch as in Pete Dunn playing nice. Butch, playing Butch Reed 1980 character the natural very good got Lucha Bros as the Conquistadors so greatly improving their wrestling ability of the tag team <laughs> <laughs> and his favourite one of mine is uh, Omos as Giant Gonzalez Skin suit and all. <laughs> I mean, it, if yeah, I don't even know who's the worst wrestler out of those two. I can't even comment on that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, he squashed Johnny, Mr. Wrestling last night. Oh, God. I, I was in love with Triple H until I watched Raw last night, and that, that <laughs> hurt my black and gold soul. <laughs> RKO 2004 says Sami Zayn has all three faces of Foley. I feel like he pulled that off as well. <laughs> I think he'd be an amazing dude, love. Yeah. <laughs> Chad Gable as the unhinged Bob Backlund. That would be really fun. Yeah, that would be great. The Forgotten Angel coming up with... He's got loads, so let's go for a few of them. Elias as the Honky Tonk Man. Cool, great. <laughs> Nikki Cross as Luna Vachon. Like that. Uh, like Very unhinged. good. Kenny Omega as Hunter Hearst Helmsley. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> What about him as Jean-Paul Levesque instead? <laughs> I like it. Let's see. Just Another Day says, I want to see Otis as the Godfather and have his own hoe train. <laughs> Fair enough, mate. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Jamie Say Hello to the Bad Guy says, 
The Miz is Mr. Perfect. I think that that, that would work. That's pretty great. If Dan Housen is Papa Shango. <laughs> <laughs> Less creepy, probably, but loads of fun. Rhea Ripley is China. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, good. slam dunk. And Tay Mello as Sable. I can see that. Yeah. He Hate Me 2012 says Seth the Dumpster Rollins. <laughs> Amazing. Can we stop with this uh, continuous uh, dumping on Seth Rollins on this podcast, please? <laughs> it was violated during that World Cup last week. It's a made-up tale. It's a total fabrication. It never happened. Hey, there's nothing wrong with Duke the Dumpster Drossy. <laughs> <laughs> and he also says, Ravishing Bobby Roode, which is perfect, right? Yeah, really good. Um, he'd have to have the tash for that. <laughs> Let's see what else we've got. We've got ourselves Jeff Beers. He comes up with Roman Reigns as Heavy Metal Van Hammer. I'd love that. That would be fun. <laughs> We've got Anthony Tattooed Pappy 14 says MGF as 99 2000 Triple H. I feel like MGF would love that as well, given every interview he does, he says that that's his, uh, his favourite wrestler. <laughs> yeah, just burying the roster. <laughs> <laughs> well, Triple H used to come out and do 15-minute promos at the start of Raw for every week for about 12 months and... MGF doing it would probably be a lot more charismatic than Triple H at the time. Well, that could well be the future of AEW for the next 12 months as well now. <laughs> We've got Handsome Nick comes up with Eddie Kingston as Macho Man. He's equally believable as a hero face. He exudes madness, amazing on the mic, and incredibly charismatic. The left field one, I'll give him that, but I like it though. I'd like to see him as um, maybe like the NWO macho madness type. So it's less kind of mad colours and tassels and more like uh, a bit more edgy. Yeah, a bit less hokey. Yeah. Uh, the Viking Raiders is LOD from Robert Gonzalez. I like that. Yeah. Handsome Nick also comes up with Marco Stunt as Michael Ripwreck. Somehow getting destroyed every week and then somehow winning the tag titles. <laughs> lovely stuff. And uh, let's end with, let's end with myself. I came up with Chris Statlander as Max Moon. Alien meets Alien. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Josh? Did you have a little think to yourself whilst we were... Well, I, I, I've got the AW pay-per-view card up at the minute, and I keep on wanting to put people back into their old gimmicks. Like, I want to see 63-year-old Sting be like the blonde-haired, blue yeah. face paint Sting. That's a Sting. Love it. Yeah. I, uh, I want to see Jeff Jarrett with, like, the long hair and the big hat and the big glasses... But yeah. in 2022. Yeah. They missed a trick on that pay-per-view by ha not having him come out on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely stuff. Well, that was uh, the call-up tweet. Maybe we'll keep that for next week and come up with a new question. But that's the call-up tweet, and we'll move on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, long, li, long, long, long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, long, li, long. So, Josh, it's been a busy week of wrestling, highlighted with the pay-per-view by AEW. Did you get to watch it? I did indeed, yeah. I did indeed. I only needed two Red Bulls this time, <laughs> which is a reflection on how much the pay-per-view retained my interest. So, yeah, I think it was the you know your typical AEW pay-per-view. It was really good in parts. It was just horrendously too long in the terms of... I don't think any pay-per-view should have 13 matches on, if you're watching the pre-show as well, but... Majority of them were pretty good, though, and there were some some pretty major moments as well. What was your favourite match? My favourite match was I think it's got to be the six man tag. I think really. They're now doing a best of seven series, which I'm absolutely overjoyed at the thought of watching Death Triangle and the Elite possibly six more times. Yeah, I mean, you, d you just look at those six names on paper and you already know what type of match it what it's going to be. And it was. We really liked, we had a little side chat going of us in the group, those of us who stayed up to watch the show, and we all pretty loved the, uh, the special entrance the Elite did. They just came across as rock stars to me, really. Got a big ovation. And then... Um, those of you who watched Being the Elite will have seen there was a particular chant about a certain someone who might not be coming back to AEW, which made me chuckle. Um, yeah, I'm sure if uh, JCH was on this podcast, he'd have a lot to say about that. <laughs> I'm not mentioning any names, I'm just saying about, about a certain someone. But uh, no, the match was, was brilliant. 
there was some, like I said, there was some really good wrestling across the show as well. Were you a little bit surprised with the finish? Were you expecting Phoenix to uh, not hit him with the hammer? Yeah, because I kind of assumed there'd be interference elsewhere in the show. And I, I didn't think they'd kind of do like a, a dirty, cheap finish in this match. I kind of thought that um, the Elite would win and we'd have some form of death triangle split because Pac keeps on trying to use the hammer in previous matches and, and Penta and Phoenix are kind of reluctant to go down that route. It's classic AEW in terms of why tell a story in one match when you can draw it out long term. So let's do seven matches and tell that story over seven matches. <laughs> Yeah, I just like I said, I, I, I'm very much looking forward to the in-ring as well as the uh, the storyline now to see where that uh, that feud goes. Definitely, yeah. What else took your fancy on that show? Um, well, the ROH 4-Way was absolutely ridiculous, which is going to be with four brilliant wrestlers in. Again, I was quite pleasantly surprised in the sense that they kind of gave Sammy a lot more than I thought they would, in the sense that he kind of pushed back on Jericho a little bit in the match, and I'm looking forward to seeing if they... Uh, go down that route it's going to be incredibly difficult i think for them to get sammy cheered again if that's the way they're going but we'll see how that goes i tried to enjoy the saraya match but i was kind of holding my breath throughout the whole thing but she did all right it was a good match but uh yeah i can't say i i enjoyed it just because i was kind of hoping she'd get through it all right yeah yeah for sure I only actually got around to watching the main event in the end, and I absolutely love the main event. I think yeah, it really, I agree. Yeah, I think it really worked. The fact that it was MJF as a faux face in New Jersey. Yeah, obviously that crowd would react like that to him, even if he was being the typical MJF in a typical MJF match where he's being a chicken shit heel. So I don't think it hurt the match too much in terms of the dynamic of heel and face, and also. The fact that Moxley is Moxley and he's a bit of an anti-hero babyface anyway, it worked perfectly because as soon as the crowd weren't cheering Moxley, he just went right into heel mode. And they basically did a heel versus face match where it was MJF that was fighting out of submissions. It was MJF that was valiantly getting back to his feet at 10 for the count out. It was MJF that was like marking out and trying to get the crowd behind him. So... I absolutely loved it, and the fact that the finish came the way that it did, I liked as well. I don't exactly know where they're going to go with it. Me and Brummett have had discussions offline about this storyline, where I don't want to paraphrase for him, but he's not here. So he basically has the viewpoint that he doesn't want it to be like it was Regal and MGF in it all along. He wants it to be that Regal gave him the knucks because he didn't take the low road by hitting him with the ring. Like the fact that he threw the ring away was the turning point for Regal to be like, yeah, I knew that you would be the man. And that was the moment where it clicked for me. So I've given you these knocks, but I don't exactly know where they're going to go with it because not going down the cheap route would have worked if he worked fully babyface how he was in that match. But then he actually tapped out, didn't he? So that, yeah, he did, yeah. So that tap out to me convolutes that story a little bit because it is still the cheap route, you know? Like, he tapped out, and then he won yeah. out. So it's going to be a bit of a convoluted story. But I do quite like the idea of... Because what, because that incredible promo that they did together, where Regal told him that I didn't use my knucks because I was taking the low road. I used my knucks because I liked hitting people with them. And whether it's going to be that that's the distinction between the knucks and the ring, because the ring was almost always handed to him in those matches, and even though literally they were handed to him by a regal, it's like a passing of a torch rather than being helped too much. So it's almost like he's moved on from the ring. So it's potentially moving his character to a new place, which I quite like. But I don't exa exactly know where they're going with it. But that's the exciting thing, I guess. And with TK's promoter head on and how much he loves to promote on Twitter and things, that scrum interview that MJF did, he must have been absolutely wanking off at that. <clears throat> Inappropriate. Because that was the perfect, like, promoter. It went, a bit, it, it went a little bit better than the last time he crowned a world champion. At <laughs> it certainly did. If you want a champion to kind of get people's eyes on the Dynamite weekly show, like, that scrum was word perfect and delivered amazingly. And whilst he was trying to, to be Tony Khan in character and being, like, really angry at 
at the fact that he was now world champion, I can tell that inside he was like, yes, this is gold. Keep on doing this. <laughs> yeah, I kind, of, I kind of felt like, first of all, I, like, I agree with what you said. I, I loved how the match was booked in the sense that they read the room really well with how they uh, they structured the match in terms of, we all wanted MGF to win, really, didn't we? Although he's meant to be the top heel, we all kind of wanted him to win. So yeah. I feel like they really structured the match really well. And then the finish, I agree with you in the sense that based off that promo that they did together, him and Regal, I feel like because MGF proclaims to be the devil and Regal, I think kind of sees him as the devil, but he doesn't want him to be like the chicken shit heel. He wants him to be like the nasty heel. So yeah. I feel like like what you said, the ring kind of represents the chicken shit heel, whereas the brass nooks are like, that's what a horrible bastard would do. Like Regal used to do when he just like hitting people, like he yeah, said. Yeah, he's kind of... So like you said, I feel like it's a... It's a progression of that. And hopefully we kind of just see a like a nasty, horrible NJF from now. Yeah. I've kind of been wanting this title reign to happen for a while. I do feel like now, even with everything that's happened, it kind of goes into a, a larger thing I've been thinking about AEW last couple of days in the sense that obviously the last pay for you, everyone knows what happened afterwards and stuff. But even shows before that, there's been kind of like a, a strange vibe about AEW in the sense that it was weird. You could kind of sense that there was uneasiness. But I feel like after this weekend's show, I feel like we're kind of, you know, everyone's back to normal now. Everything's going to be all right. We've got yeah. MGF over here. We've got Jamie over here. We've got the trio thing. I feel like we're on a, a good, solid path now. And I, for one, I'm really looking forward to seeing what I presume is going to be the year of MJF up until the final AW show of uh, 2023. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty excited about it. And I'm excited about the potential... Ethan Page story that's going to be told if Ethan Page does win the match on Wednesday night because obviously they've built up this story of he was part of the Joker faction and Stokely is obviously part of that as well and there's a story of he was MGF's best mate but then he created this thing and then he realised that he didn't need MGF. I get the impression that potentially there's a really fun story there to tell where Ethan Page thinks that he's got one up on MGF and actually it's going to all unravel on him and potentially Stokely joins Regal and MGF and we get a face Ethan Page, which I think will be pretty cool. But yeah, I think there's obviously so many amazing potential storylines that we can have with MGF as world champion. The two that I particularly want to see are Jungle Boy and Wardlow. I think those are the two storyline brilliant kind of setups from what MGF has done in the past. Yeah, totally agree. I think I'd throw Derby into that as well. But like I said, I think we're probably going to have possibly over just over a year of this MGF title reign. So I feel like with the amount of special shows they do and pay-per-views, I feel like we're going to get a lot of big matches. Because like you said, over the course of time previously, I think MGF set up so many different names who could possibly want to take that title off him and be like kind of the people champion again, kind of in a different way that we've had with other people. I feel yeah. like there's a few names who could kind of proclaim they're going to save AEW from MJF. I'd throw Hangman into that pitch as well when he comes back and when he's healthy again. I think that's a, a pay-per-view main event in the waiting. Yeah, so there's... yeah, really exciting times ahead of Phil. Yeah, MJF is the man. And yeah, let's hope that this is the start of AEW getting their foot in right um, after a difficult few months. And yeah, it's going to absolutely kick on with uh, MJF as their champ. Yeah, just before we move on from AEW, I want to um, feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about one of our own, Jamie Hayter, winning the um, interim women's title. I, for one, have wanted this for a while now, and I'm just glad it's happened. And I anticipate the evolution Randy Orton-style turn from Brit at some point as well. So, yeah, looking forward to all that. I haven't seen the match, but I read lots of positive reviews. Apparently, the like run towards the finish was particularly physical and brilliant. Yeah, um, I think there's a couple of pictures doing the rounds that uh, Tony took a bit of a battering during that match from her mate Jamie. So, but yeah, <laughs> all's all's fair in uh in the ring, I guess. Nice one. Anything else that you watched this week? Did you get to watch any of the New Japan stuff that was happening this weekend? I saw the uh, Kyrie match. I've been a fan of Kyrie Sane ever since that first Mae Young Classic she was in. So, of anything on that show, I would recommend people watch that and. Uh, also, they set up a little match for the US title at uh, Wrestle Kingdom, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point on the pods in the next uh, couple of months or so. Yes, yes, for sure. You're talking about Orange Cassidy versus Suzuki, right? <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. 
That'd be a heck of a match in the Tokyo Dome. <laughs> cool. I watched quite a bit of WWE. There wasn't too much to talk about uh, this week, in my opinion. So let's pretty much move straight on to the roundtable, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so Progress Chapter 146. They think it's all over, so it's obviously a tie-in with the World Cup. We'll be missing a, a few World Cup matches, but it's not England, so I'll get over it. We've got ourselves an 11-match card. Tony Khan will be impressed. Um, <laughs> but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's, it's like deemed as being... Um, Presented as a super show, uh, they've got a few imports for it, and they've got lots of storyline, which is the stuff that I love. And they've got plenty of championship matches. So let's go through the card, starting with something that you saw the build-up to from the previous chapter. We've got Costa Constantino and Malik versus Adebayo Akinfenwa and Anthony <laughs> What a match oh. to uh, talk about first. Yeah, so we talked about this match on the review of chapter one four five. How much we love do rag. How much we <laughs> absolutely loved just the kind of sports entertainment feel of the match previously. Now we've got a tag match, so we're going to see Akinfenwa actually in the ring. <laughs> Thoughts on this build and also on the match itself? Well, from what I can remember of the last show, of which there's not much, I'll be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I loaded up with alcohol, vodka, whiskey, beer, tequila. More beer, more vodka, more whiskey, and more beer. Because I wasn't just going to sit around for a couple of hours in Jonesboro. I was going to drink all night long. That was the match that I feel like the crowd, other than the main event maybe, that was like the most crowd involvement in. So I feel like the atmosphere, particularly, I mean, when they do that hot tag to Akin Fenway, everyone's going to just lose their mind, I imagine. Um, <laughs> yeah. And if, hey, if Durag makes an appearance, I'm sure your section will be absolutely loving it. So If Akin Fenway wears a football kit, what football kit do you reckon he'll, he'll be wearing? Do you reckon he'll go for his team, Liverpool? Or will he go for one of his old teams like AFC Wimbledon or Wickham? I feel like it's got to be an England kit, isn't it, during the World Cup? Of course, of course. Yeah, especially with a Go-Go's gimmick as well. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's going to be an absolute brilliant, fun match. Um, as you say, the crowd is going to be really into this. I don't think it needs to go too long. Um, and I'm just hoping that Malik has his full crew out in out there. Again. <laughs> they were a lot of fun as well. They were they were certainly taking part in the crowd participation, weren't they? Yeah, they were brilliant. They were great. Next up, we have um, import from Ring of Honor, Cheeseburger, and he's taking on your boy, man like Darius. Yeah, again, in the craziest year in wrestling that I can ever remember, uh, this is a match I certainly didn't expect to see. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like it'll be lots of crazy moves and uh, lots of fun with the crowd, I imagine. I imagine this will be quite a good opener if it opens or just after intermission, maybe. One of those sort of matches. Yeah, for sure. Cheeseburger, one of those wrestlers that obviously goes down as a comedy wrestler. But the more that I watch of him, he's actually pretty fucking great in the ring. Yeah, definitely. I think we kind of, for those of just going back, for those who saw pre-show, the AW show, Danhausen's got a bit of a... Well, he's been teasing it on social media for a little bit, but obviously everyone knows Danhausen's this silly guy who does a bit of wrestling. He's kind of gone a bit darker now, and he was quite a serious wrestler for the couple of minutes he was in the match for. And I feel like Cheeseburg's a bit like that, in the sense that when he wants to kind of turn it on, he can. I feel like, because he doesn't do it that often, he's still got that element of surprise when he does do it. Um, yes. And that's what gets the crowd going. Yeah. And against someone like Doris, I mean, I feel like he could have a good match with a paper bag, so... yeah. And we've spoken about it at length on this podcast about man like Doris's um, current losing streak in progress. Oh, surely, if I don't get this Pickham's point, oh my god, I don't even know what to do. Surely, this is the start of the redemption story for man like Doris. And if not, they're telling a bigger story. I think with potentially <laughs> Doris losing his smile. <laughs> oh, don't! I'll be crying in the back of the ballroom when that happens. <laughs> oh no! Uh, then next up, we've got. A match that had an amazing video package created for it as the preview. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to find it. Spectacular. That's what I was. 
but I have made a mistake. My name is Charles Crowley, and this is the story of how I die. Are you rolling? I have a story for you. Elijah, absolutely spectacular. Everything about him, he is a star. Did you see the little look he gave you there? All I'm saying is you need to open your eyes to the opportunities that could be standing right in front of you. It's a match that certainly a drunken me and JCH couldn't really um, lay out for you very well last time we spoke about it. <laughs> um, it was Elijah versus Crowley. So something that we massively missed live when they did their um, little bit on this in the last chapter. So Crowley has been away and um, he's kind of disheveled and he's and he feels like he's missing something. And then he went away and he tried to figure out what all the numbers meant. And the numbers from his side were that he figured out that Elijah is a future champion and the numbers all were to do with his win and loss record in progress. And he's figured out that when you wrestle someone once you don't lose to them once you've beaten them so <laughs> because elijah's already beaten crowley he's saying that elijah is going to win this match even though he's, he's crowley and <laughs> the like storyline is that like this is his crowning moment and that this is where crowley dies so it's going to be really interesting in terms of how this match plays out in terms of in the mind of crowley does he just take the loss or is he gonna find himself in the match and the crowd get behind crowley and it's actually that he breaks the code and he realises that he could be the future champion. I'll be honest with this storyline. I'm a Bray Wyatt fan. And obviously I've had a lot of things and like sneak bits here and there to look out for over the last couple of months. And this whole storyline with Crowley has confused me from the very start. <laughs> and I'm still confused now. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just going to let it play out and just go with it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I did my best to try and explain it. Probably didn't do a great job. I would fully recommend going and watching the videos. It does a far better job than what I just did. But um, yeah, lots of intrigue. Crowley obviously is hugely over with the progress crowd. And either way, we're either going to get Elijah getting a bump up the card and a bit of um, a push, which is great for him as he's a good wrestler. Or we get Crowley doing something spectacular as he is the spectacular twat. So let's see what happens with that one. <laughs> Next up, we've got a singles match between Laura Di Matteo and Alexis Falcon, which is... Slightly intriguing because Alexis Falcon last time obviously faced Nina Samuels and Nina Samuels ended up getting a bloodbath from her. <laughs> <laughs> that um, bit I do remember. <laughs> I remember thinking how odd it was. <laughs> so obviously there's going to be the potential here for a bit of um, Nina Samuels interference in some way. And Laura DiMatteo is someone that we have both spoken about on the podcast that we absolutely love her in-ring work. She's an incredible wrestler. Uh, but she struggles to pick up wins when it matters the most. So back to singles matches on the build, about rise up the ladder again for, for Laura. So it'll be interesting to, to see who comes out on top here. Thoughts on that one? Yeah, like I said, um, I totally agree with what you're saying, really. I think Laura's a brilliant wrestler. I just feel like there's other people at the moment, as we'll get on to when we go down the card, who are just in the more up the card spots at the moment. I feel like she can get there still. She can get back there. Obviously, she's lost a world title match recently. But like I said, I feel like she'll she might pick up a, a cheap-ish win here where maybe Nina interferes and Laura's just like, well, okay, then I'll take this win. It doesn't really have much to do with it. And then Falcon and Samuels go off and do their thing. And then Laura gradually makes her way up the card again. Yeah, makes sense. Then we've also got another singles match in the women's division. We've got Rio from uh, Northwest Strong and also in the kind of babyface group that are trying to take down the Lana Austin experience. She's up against Lana Austin experiences, Sky Smithson. Two women there that definitely hit hard, strong style wrestling. Should be a good match. And I'm pretty sure that the rest of the Lana Austin experience will probably be out there in her corner. So there's going to be a numbers game going on there i'd imagine that could lead to rio versus la taylor down the line i'd imagine is, is smithson the one who you've said is like the future star or is that la taylor la taylor is the blonde that looks a bit like rhea ripley right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so is this like the demi boss to to that really yeah smithson's the kind of like Shayna baszler type yeah i get you it makes sense but yeah it's gonna be a fun hard-hitting match and obviously rather than just a match for a match's sake there's kind of storyline um stuff there as well which is Obviously, the stuff that I love. 
then next on the list here on Cage Match is Progress Women's Title Match. Lana Austin getting a title shot after pinning <sighs> eight woman tag and costing me about forty quid in whiskeys. <laughs> yeah, obviously this is going to be a brilliant, fun match. Lana Austin surely is going to be crowned the champion here, right? Yeah, I'm not attending this show, and I'll be honest. Of all the matches on the show, this is the one I'm I'm most gutted about missing, just because I think Lana's going to get the moment and I'm just fascinated to hear what the crowd does during it because obviously I feel like we all enjoy Lana's character but obviously she's a massive heel as well yeah but yeah Kanji's had a pretty great run with the title in terms of who she's come up against and the number of matches she's had but I don't know it just feels like it's it's Lana's time to be honest yeah Lana Austin has impressed me more and more and more each each month she makes me laugh she makes <laughs> me boo she makes me get angry she makes me they're all manner of things as a wrestling fan, and that's what you want from your wrestling characters. Kanji, I absolutely love. Booking a babyface champion isn't easy, and I think that this is probably the right time for her to drop the title and uh, build her back up in a slightly different way, maybe. Um, she is amazing, and I've loved her matches on this podcast. I wax lyrical about her match against um, Shaw. That's a strong style that still potentially might be my match of the year. The matches haven't quite lived up to that standard for whatever reason. But this storyline is kind of now ready for Lana to rule her ways across the progress uh, roster, I think. And as much as I love Kanji, I can only really see Lana winning here. So sorry, Kanji, but I think it's time for the Lana Austin experience to rule supreme over progress. She might even be my captain pick for the show, actually. That's how uh, confident I am in that. Oh, I like it. Big confidence pick there from Josh. (laughs) So that's the first six matches, which I'm assuming might well be the six matches of the first half, which is wild, isn't it? Yeah, crazy. Like I said, I think it doesn't seem as much because obviously when I've been to shows with you guys, we've left the venue and gone elsewhere. Yeah. So then I, I feel like that doesn't feel like as long as me staying at home and watching a four-hour pay-per-view in a row. When I can go off and do little bits, but majority of the time I'm watching a four-hour show. And I feel like when you're at a show, sometimes if you've got good company like we usually do, maybe for those who are sitting watching it or front row or whatever, it might feel a bit longer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So that's what I see as being the first six matches and then the break after a title change, I think makes sense. And then you've got one, two, three, four, five matches that I think will be on the second half, which are all bangers. Welcome to Intermission. So we've got Tom Dawkins versus Bullet, which is obviously Mm. filled with storyline narrative. Tom Dawkins, of course, the former Cara Noir. He's been stripped of his name, been stripped of his moves, been stripped of his character, been stripped of his uh, ring attire. Um, And this is actually his first time back in the ballroom because every time that he's supposed to be back in the ballroom, he's got injured. But he has been elsewhere in Manchester and Birmingham and such. So this is him against Bullet, who, of course, is Spike Treve's hired goon. And there was certainly, seemingly, a little bit of distrust showing in the match between Treve and Darice in the last chapter, where Bullet came out at the start and it was almost like Spike Treve was like, I didn't ask you to be out here and was trying to push him away, treating him like shit, as, of course, Spike Treve would. So there's a, that's like, there's a lot of stuff going into this. And, of course, if Tom Dawkins wins this match... Spike Gervais has promised that he can get a match down the line. Don't know exa- exactly know when, when that will be. But is it too early for that, as some people in the group think? Or do you think yeah. Dawkins at least prints that kind of thing that, yeah, so I've got that in the future and that's something to work towards? I think this is like the, because of it, it can go a number of different ways. I think this is like the hardest match on the show to call. Because if you say like, if Tom's going to win, 
the next chapter shows the unboxing, isn't it? Yeah. So you wouldn't assume that such a big match like that would be at a show where it's not going to be announced in advance. You'd presume it's going to be like advertised as like the first match and it's going to be, you know, built up and built up and built up and advertised strongly. Yeah. Um, but then we don't know if, say, Tom is going to win. Is it going to be like a, a money in the bank type thing where he can just come out and say, right, I'm doing it this day. I'm doing it here. This is when it's happening, yada, yada. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or you could go the other way in the sense that Tom's going to come up just short this time. Or maybe even Spike comes out and, and helps Bullet win, maybe. Because I think we spoke privately about where we, we think it's going to go and when it's going to go there. But I kind of think there's... I don't want them to do the Tom Dawkins match now. So for that reason, I'd probably, I'd probably have Bullet win and then yeah, keep that story the, with Tom going. Like part of me, because we've spoken about where this goes with Tom Dawkins, whether Tom Dawkins loses and loses and loses. And it's like the more that he loses, the more Cara Noir is shed away from Tom Dawkins. Yeah, and is left with Tom Dawkins and Spike Gervais' whole spiel at the start was that you used to hide behind that character because you hate who you are. And Tom... it's pretty clear that Spike Gervais doesn't really give a shit about Bullet. He's just a hired goon. Yeah. And is this the bit where Bullet beats Dawkins, but then it just adds to Dawkins hating himself more and more. And then eventually, like, Gervais gets Dawkins as part of this little group and it's actually Dawkins that he's after and not Bullet? Yeah, that'd be... Like you said, there's so many different ways you could go. And I think of all the storylines in progress, I think this Tom Dawkins one potentially could be one of the best ones for a, a long time, really. Yeah, yeah. It's already been amazing. And unfortunately, through the injuries and stuff, it's kind of wavered a little bit. But thankfully for them, other things have fallen their way in terms of storyline that have landed. So it hasn't been too big a miss. But yeah, I'm very, very happy that this is on the card and that we're getting progression in this storyline because yeah very very invested <laughs> talking of investment next up is hair versus mask chuck mambo putting his hair on the line against kid lycos putting his mask on the line in a hair versus mask match something that you'd normally see in triple a triple mania yeah, something that I've definitely not seen live, I don't think. And yeah, it's, but obviously with people putting on such things that are such big parts of their character, you don't think of Mambo with anything but that long blonde hair. You don't think of Lycos not wearing his mask. So they're both putting on the line big things. And there's definitely going to be a lot of kind of um, real feelings in that ballroom during this match, I think. I don't know about you. I was kind of really caught off guard by how strong the promo segment was last time in the sense that it got quite heated. I, I didn't think it was that deep, but apparently so. And that's obviously led up to a pretty high stakes match when you think about it. Like you said, it's, it's very much a part of these two guys' character and their being. So, yeah, I think this will be a, an absolute banger. Yeah, obviously, um, I don't know if you've caught up and watched on the network back, Josh, if you've watched it or not, the Lycos-Brooks match from the Dome. I've still not seen it, no, but I've heard umpteen different things about it from loads of different people, for sure. So obviously in that match, Lycos pretty much lost his mask, but was covered with blood, so he was wearing a crimson mask. So whether that's uh, like prelude to him losing his mask, that's a nice little nugget, I guess, for fans to be like, yeah, that's, that's where that goes down. Or if Mambo shaves his head, you know, he's not only is he Mambo, like, Lycos can put the mask back on in different promotions in Britain, obviously yeah. in progress. But Mambo losing his hair, like that's a big thing for him throughout Britain. Like he can't just grow his hair back. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm massively invested in that as well. And those are the first two matches of the second half. So you think, God, I need a bit of a rest. So how about <laughs> we have a tag team match between Axel Tissier and Big Demo against Chris Widgeway and Luke Jacobs. Yikes, this is going to be absolutely brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's going to be an absolute chop fest. Hopefully, Axel and, and Damo don't uh, get the ire of uh, Brom again, um, <laughs> which was another highlight of my last visit to the ballroom. <laughs> um, but yeah, this match is going to be absolutely brutal. I think it's going to be great. And uh, yeah, lots of very big men hitting other big men very hard. <laughs> I'm going to be really interested to see the dynamic between Ridgeway and Jacobs. So obviously, Ridgeway lost his title on that show that you were on in was it Sheffield yeah to uh to demo in the main event yeah yeah so there's like obviously a lot of hidden creative stuff there as well and then obviously Jacobs has been on a bit of a losing streak in progress is Ridgeway going to come in and be like mate I, I like left you to like run northwest strong in progress and you've 
let me down? And like, is he going to be a bit of a twat to him? I think there's um, some interesting dynamics there, whereas Damo and Tisha get the impression that they're a tight unit. Yeah, definitely. I feel obviously there's a lot of history with those two. And I feel I feel like they're when I did watch them work together in WWE, I feel like they just meshed really well. And it says it's just two big dudes who just fly about and hit other people really hard. So, yeah, I think this will be uh, not one for the squeamish, I think. Yeah. Talking of those two being a tight unit, of course, it could just be a bit of a ruse because we've got unboxing coming up next month, as you said. And uh, Big Damo is going to need to take on someone. Could this be a bit of a fallout? And then Tisha faces Damo in a match oh. at, uh, unboxing, which is something that we've not seen yet at Progress and a match that obviously will be loaded with history as well. I'm up for it. <laughs> <laughs> And then just when you think things couldn't get any better, we've got ourselves the Natural Progression Series final match. We've got Ricky Knight Jr., someone who I've seen absolutely blossom from the time that he arrived in progress. I was lucky enough to go and see him wrestle Shota Umino in Rev Pro as well last month with Bill, and that match was amazing. And yeah, Ricky Knight Jr. up against Tate Mayfairs in a final winner takes the metaphorical briefcase to have a title match in the future both wrestlers warrant it in my opinion but who's going to take it on i feel like this is a, a really tough one to call because i think both uh is, is knight a heel as well at the moment in progress i would say he's a baby face right because i we were having some chat about that last time i remember at the at the show and yeah. um like you said there was different opinions on it but i i feel like it's easier for knight to turn face if he needed to rather than take who's just a it's just a bit of a dick isn't he Ricky's definitely not like a white meat baby face, but he's definitely a baby face in the, in the way that kind of Jacobs is, I would say. Hard bastard. I feel like in the, like in the match itself, I think it'll probably play out that way as well. Yeah. And then in terms of who wins it, it's going to be super interesting, isn't it? Because potentially you're going to have the Rev Pro champion up against Spike in a progress title match, which will be super, super interesting. Mm, the, uh, I'm sure there was... Uh, I can't remember the exact story, but there was someone who mentioned that something had happened like that a few years back. But yeah, that politically will be interesting as well as uh, obviously it's a match for us all to see. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm going to go with Tate winning this, I think. Um, I just think, as you say, politically it might be a smart play. And also Tate's just ready, I think. Tate is just ready. And I don't think it needs to be anytime soon that he catches that in. I think it's, it's the perfect sort of heel to hold a briefcase type situation a bit like the Miz just lording it over everyone like knowing that I could cash this in at any time and just being a twat about it <laughs> yeah like I think we've obviously seen with uh someone who we'll talk about in a moment that progress can they can book that sort of thing really well and kind of tease it and drop little teases here and there and like you say I think Tate's uh he's got the ability to cut a pretty good promo lording it over everyone and uh I feel like he could hold that for some time but um yeah I'm undecided on the result I think but uh yeah, I could see it going either way, I think. Yeah. Well, the ballroom's definitely going to be fully behind RKJ here. <laughs> <laughs> Which always makes for a great atmosphere, I think, when they've kind of got a real clear baby face and heel dynamic in the ballroom. I absolutely love that. Then we move on to the main event. We've got former champion Jonathan Gresham, the Octopus versus the Vulture, Spike Trevay. So yeah, a match that's obviously steeped in history as well, because without Spike Trevay, Jonathan Gresham wouldn't have been the champion in the first place. And then Gresham lost the title because he lacked control and got DQ'd in a match where he was told that if you get DQ'd, you lose the title. And Spike Trevay is lording that over him now, saying, you were proclaiming to be everything that I am in terms of you wanted to lord over progress with the title, but you didn't kind of have the... the control and the mindset to pull it off like I've done. So I think that's a really cool storyline. Gresham's going to come in as a baby face against Trevay because anyone who faces Trevay is just <laughs> baby face by default even though obviously there's a little bit of disappointment about what happened with him in terms of progress. Obviously they put the title on him and then he had to give it up because AEW came along and then that didn't work out for him either sadly. <laughs> but yeah, hopefully the crowd can forgive and forget. He's an amazing wrestler. And it's going to be a great match, in my opinion. Yeah, I think every match I've watched of this Spike title reign, 
I feel like even though we kind of deep down knew he's probably going to win, I feel like the crowd have done a, a great job. And it's something you spoke about before in the sense of a crowd buying into something, buying into a story. And I feel like with Spike, they've always bought into hating him viciously as well, regardless of who he's facing. And I feel like the crowd will kind of do their thing because they'll kind of just want to see Gresham uh, get super aggressive and uh, just beat Spike Dre up. And obviously they've got that storyline element as well that they can tell in the sense that Gresham might lose control at any point. And then yeah. there's obviously other outside things as well. Maybe Bullet can come down. Maybe someone else can come down. It's it's not like Spike's got a lot of friends. So Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe this is where Dawkins helps him win. Who knows? I know Brum in particular was pretty disappointed with another schmoz. Spike Trevay finished last time. So it'll be interesting to see if they go fully schmoz again or if Brum is appeased and they <laughs> do a little less schmozzy stuff and they give, maybe they just give Spike a clean win here and just say like, not only is he an absolute twat, He's also a damn good wrestler and he can beat wrestlers as good as Gresh. I feel like it would mean more as well if he did it against someone like Gresham, who's so known for his wrestling. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that is chapter one or four, six. They think it's all over. And we will also be hosting a beer pong tag team turmoil tournament at Belushi's in Camden, starting at 11.30 a.m. And starting at midday, we're going to have a tournament of beer pong i think dom and jch have been <laughs> put in the bracket up against each other as dom called out jch uh jch has put through some promos on on dom which, which has been amazing on twitter <laughs> i'm looking forward to that one in particular and if you want to join in it's free to enter just hit us up on our social medias at wrestling should be fun on instagram and at wsbfun on twitter and let us know that, that you want to be in, and we'll stick you in the bracket. So shall we end on a book of bingo? Oh, my highlight of the show, as always. <laughs> okay, let's do it. B-I-N-G-O and bingo was his name Oh, Okay, are you ready? Book of bingo. Okay. You've definitely got content here in terms of what you can do. You've got... The man who is either in jail or not in jail, according to his Twitter. <laughs> You've got Teddy Hart. Oh, God. Up against Gregory Helms. Right, okay. So, as you've mentioned, Teddy Hart is in and out of jail, right? So he's going to be the bad guy, okay? Yeah. And Gregory Helms... Sod Gregory Helms. Gregory Helms sucked. He was boring. He's going to be the hurricane for the purpose of this story. All right. Because Teddy Hart's going to do all these horrible things and Gregory Helms is going to think, right, who can save the day here? Uh, the hurricane can, of course. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. Because of all the superheroes who you want to save the day, you'd pick the hurricane first. Yeah. So yeah, Teddy Hart, he, he's in some, I don't know, some random indie promotion, whoever's silly enough to book him these days. And he's just, he's trashing everything. He's ruining matches up and down the show. He's being rude to fans, rude to refs, rude to commentators. And then obviously the big pop at the end is the superhero's going to save the day. The hurricane comes out. He does one choke slam, uh, pins him in about five seconds. And then Teddy Hart has to leave whatever silly indie promotion it is. And he goes to jail, and we never have to hear about him ever again. <laughs> You've absolutely buried him. <laughs> well, some people bring things on themselves sometimes. So, I saw recently on Twitter that he's going to be part of this like reality TV series. That sounds about right for him. Yeah, which looks insane. Like from the advert, seek it out on Twitter or YouTube or something. The producer of the documentary went into it thinking it was going to be like a bit of a fun Hogan knows best type thing about this mad wrestler, right? And then they get to know him and they find out about this crazy story about this missing girl that he was involved with like a few years ago. And it turns into like a basically a manhunt. Oh, Jesus. Like it sounds incredible. And I'm definitely going to try and get hold of it. But my one here would be a bit more positive for Teddy Hart. Let's, <laughs> let's give Teddy Hart his props for being a fun wrestler. Teddy Hart. He's signed up by WWE around 2000 and what was it, 2002, three that he kind of 
burst on the scene with all of his indie madness that he got infamous because without telling anyone that he was going to do it on one of those CZW shows where the cage is like 25 feet in the air, he basically jumped off it and like didn't tell anyone that he was going to do it. (laughs) So I'm thinking that we can hark back to that and we can have Helms brings him into WWE and he's like, you're one of the best high flyers in, in the world, but we have to high fly safe. (laughs) in the WWE (laughs) and he's given the kind of um, superhero in training type thing that Rosie was given with Hurricane and every time that Teddy Hart goes to do something insane (laughs) um, Helms puts the cape on him and makes sure that he's safe and all that sort of stuff and it ends with a cage match between these two and let's say the Dudley boys and (laughs) he goes into business for himself again because he's Teddy Hart (laughs) and (laughs) He goes to do a 3,000 flip move off the top rope onto people that weren't even in the match. (laughs) (laughs) And the visual ending is classic kind of, it cuts to like almost like a Bray Wyatt thing where it cuts to a, like a green screen, like stupid thing where, where you see him jump off the cage on live TV, then it cuts to (laughs) like an old school Batman, 1960s, terribly green screened of Helms coming into shot and saving him as if he's his what's his bird called? Um Mighty Molly. Yeah, no, no, in like oh. Superman. Lois Lane, is it? Oh that's Superman's bird, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you see Teddy Hart falling down the screen <laughs> at the bottom and then coming in from left to right is is Helms to catch him. <laughs> And then we cut back into into the ring and he's kind of holding him. <laughs> so you're booking a love angle? <laughs> no, not a love angle, just like, <laughs> you know, just a brotherly, like, mate, just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> We're superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go on to win the match against the Dudley Boys. So they, they beat the Dudley Boys, do they, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course they do. event for Teddy Hart where he's got a friend who can stop him from doing stupid things. <laughs> he definitely needs that at some point <laughs> so that is episode 74 yep 74 for wrestling should be fun podcast it's been me ross and boss casey with josh the fox heady anything that you want to plug josh my i say wrestling blog i've done a couple of other things on it recently um nobody's ready.com i've got like 200 odd posts on there about different wrestling stuff and a couple of other bits down the years Recently did a blog looking back at Bray Wyatt's return to WWE recently and how that's gone and where I think it could go and all that stuff. And that's about it, really. Other than that, I guess just watch lots of wrestling and support whoever you want to support and try not to slag any other companies off while you're doing it. Absolutely brilliantly said. Um, So we are Wrestling Should Be Fun. You can find us on Spotify, on SoundCloud, on Apple, on all kinds of things. And uh, also on social media, as we said earlier in the episode, Wrestling Should Be Fun on Instagram and at WSBFUN on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening. This has been Wrestling Should Be Fun. Drink lots of water and look after your mates. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun, should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.